This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is sponsored by Third Love. Ladies, if you are anything like me and Liberty, the first thing you do when you get home is take off your itchy, uncomfortable bra, especially in the dog days of summer. It's so hard to find a great fitting, comfortable bra, but we have Third Love now. They are an exciting new lingerie brand that uses real women's measurements to create better fitting bras. They have a 100% fit guarantee. Returns and exchanges are always free. And right now, for all the books listeners, you can try their best-selling 24-7 t-shirt bra for free for 30 days. You just cover the shipping. Start your free trial now at thirdlove.com slash books. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 68, and today we are talking about books released on August 23rd, 2016, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow podcast, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello. Hi there. We went off the rails last week, and they let us keep our show. Yeah. And it's... I don't know that I got back on the rails yet. (laughs) Who needs rails? Totally overrated. Yeah. Don't Uh, need them. we heard from a bunch of you, and thanks for letting us know that you liked the slightly looser format yes, that we thank did you. So last many nice week. Emails. It was great to hear from everybody on email and on Twitter and to get that feedback. And we probably are going to play a little bit looser with our format, you know, off and on, um, just depending on how frequently we fall in love with titles or not. Because um, I think we'd both rather spend all of our segments talking about stuff that we really, really loved and are so excited to share with all of you listeners, then be stuck to having to find new books to talk about, even if we, you know, like them, but don't love them, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, So we're going to do a little bit more of that today. I got some new releases and then I've got, oh, I think I have one new release and then a bunch of paperbacks, um, things that came out last year that are out in paperback now. And you're just, you're going to go all over the place. I am. Yeah. August is, you know, it's the end of summer. But like once September hits, we will, we will be struggling to cut it back to you know, four books again, because there are so many amazing books. Yeah, September and October especially are just an embarrassment of riches for new titles. So we're hanging in there. It'll be okay. It will be fine. And you have a good title. I'm intrigued by this one. This is a new release, your first pick this week. It is. It's called The Couple Next Door by Sherry Lapina. And it's one of those books that I really can't say that much about, but I still wanted to talk about it anyway because I had so much fun reading it. Um, it's it, I couldn't put it down, and I know it's like I sit and read a book, you know, like one book at a time anyway. So like when I say like I really couldn't put it down, like I read it so fast, I was like I, I can't stop reading this, um, and it's uh, like I re- didn't know anything about it when I read it, and oh, it's the best. When I read the reviews, I, I read the back, and it doesn't really explain a lot to you. Um, and then I've been reading the reviews and everybody's talking about like what happens and I'm like, "Eh, I don't like that. So I'm not going to tell you what happens because I don't want to be the one to spoil that for you. Um, even if it's like not a big deal to know, uh, it starts out with this couple. They seem to be the perfect, have everything, lovely couple, Anne and Marco. 
Um, they're young and in love, and they have a new beautiful baby named Cora. And they live next door um, to a couple, a childless couple. And they invite Ann and Cora over one night for some drinks. It turns out to be a lot of drinks. Some flirting goes on. It goes on for a really long time. And at the end of it, the night, a horrible crime has occurred. Oh. Yeah. So, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. But now, you know, Ann and Marco, like, nobody knows who did it. Um, each of them are under suspicion. The detectives, you know, are, are investigating, talking to the neighbors, talking to everybody. And the detectives are really great. I really enjoyed, like, her descriptions of them. And, like, they were really fleshed out. Um, and you just, you find out, like, maybe Anne's hiding things from Marco. Maybe Marco's hiding things from Anne. Maybe they're hiding things from the cops together. Like, who knows? Like, maybe the neighbors are hiding things. Nobody knows who's telling the truth. I was reading it so fast that I got about two-thirds of the way into it when I realized, like, I hadn't been, like, trying to guess what was going to happen. You know? Like, I usually am, like, I read thrillers and I'm, like, okay, this is, okay, maybe it's this. Okay, maybe it's this. Mm -hmm. Right? And so then, so then I was, like, okay, I have to form an opinion and, like, here's what I think happened. And it was what happened, but it also wasn't what happened. So, I mean, it's just twisty and so much fun and a little bit ridiculous. It's a little, you know, silly, um, but it's good. It's a good, you know, fun thriller, you know, beach read. It's it's still summer, despite, you know, all the Halloween decorations I see everywhere now. Um, Put your pumpkin spice away. <laughs> I know, seriously. And I, I, I loved it. I thought it was great fun. Again, it's called The Couple Next Door by Sherry Lapina. Um, my first pick this week is one of the books that, like, I'm surprised is coming out in the middle of August. It has all of the feeling and bells and whistles of a big fall release. And it's one of the biggest debuts of the year, both in terms of the buzz about it and the um, advance that the author got. I remember reading a story last year that um, there was a really large advance for this book and maybe some battling over which publishing house was going to get it. It lived up to all my hopes and expectations. It's called Behold the Dreamers by Mbolo Mbue. That's M-B-U-E is her last name. Uh, this is set in 2008. It's about a younger couple. Their names are Jende and Nenny, and they uh, have immigrated to New York City from Cameroon. Jende's been in, in New York for several years, and he finally saved up enough money to bring over his wife and their son. And uh, he gets what he thinks is his dream job, being a chauffeur for a man named Clark Edwards, who is one of the like muckety-muck higher-ups at Lehman Brothers. And this is just before the financial collapse. So Jende, you know, has to sign an NDA basically saying that he won't tell anyone about any of the things that he hears Mr. Edwards talk about as he's driving him around, that he won't share family information because he's the family chauffeur. He takes uh, Mr. Edwards's wife around places. He takes their kids places. His uh, Jende's wife, Nenny, sometimes works doing you know, housekeeper sorts of tasks for the family as well. And they find themselves as people who work in those types of jobs do, very close to ugly realities. Um, they see the cracks in the marriage. They can see Mrs. Edwards's drinking problem. They see, you know, one of the sons sort of going off the rails himself. They, you know, have this intimacy with the family, but not a closeness. Like they, they're not in a position where they can say or do anything about the things that they see. And then as Jen Day continues to hear the things that go on in the backseat of the car that he's driving and what's happening in the financial institutions he gets this you know real sense of impending doom uh they you know eventually then the financial collapse happens and we see all of the characters try to live through and recover from and make sense 
of that. Um, the writing is incredible. It's a real interrogation of the American dream of essentially what America sells, the idea that America sells to immigrants about uh, how realistic success is and how it's available to everyone. Um, Nenny is in school to become a pharmacist, but she also becomes pregnant through the course of the story and she's struggling between her responsibilities to her family and her desire to finish school so that she can get a good paying job as a pharmacist and that so that you know they can move out of the small apartment that they're in in Harlem and they can buy a house in one of the suburbs and have a nice car in the driveway and achieve all of those things that are the reason that they left their home in Cameroon in the first place. Um, but they talk to their friends who are also struggling and then they see the wealthy people who are behaving terribly and think that they have the worst of it. Um, the, there's, I think we're in this interesting point now where we're far enough out of this financial collapse that fiction about it is starting to come out. Um, the book rang just, uh, it's an incredible debut novel, but it rang a bunch of my personal reading bells too. Like uh, in the story of the Edwardses, you get the rich people problems kind of thing. Um, but I think fiction about Im the immigrant experience, that's not all you know, roses and daffodils, because it's not in reality, uh, is very important as well. And I like to read about that. Uh, and Mbue does both of those things really beautifully. Uh, it's a great book. Uh, it was so compelling. I also read it very quickly. Uh, and perfect for book clubs, I think. Um, one of those that's going to be widely recommended and for very good reasons. It's one of the best books of the year. And again, it's called Behold the Dreamers. Is Muck an official term? Is it like yeah, something that like, people get on their business cards? Yeah, it's like chief executive muckety muck. Cool. <laughs> um, before I let you roll on Miss Liberty, uh, I want to talk about our first sponsor chief this week. Chief muckety muck. Chief muckety muck. <laughs> I mean, CMO is a title, but you could be the chief muckety muck officer. Okay. I like it. Yeah. Uh, our first sponsor this week is Spontaneous by Aaron Stammer. This is a novel about growing up and blowing up, literally. Uh, Mara Carlyle is a senior. She thinks that her senior year at high school is going as normally as could be expected until wha-bam. That's actually in the notes of what we're supposed to say. I really <laughs> appreciate it. Uh, her fellow senior, Caitlin Ogden, explodes during third period pre-calc. Caitlin is the first but won't be the last teenager to blow up without warning or explanation. As the seniors continue to pop like balloons, smart and hilarious Mara narrates the end of their world as she knows it. But within an explosive year punctuated by romance, quarantine, lifelong friendship, and the hope of making it to graduation lies a funny, super honest, and truly moving story of being a teenager and the heartache of saying goodbye. Uh, this is the most explosive book of the season. Erin uh, Stamer uh, has written a darkly funny and spectacularly original exploration of friendship, of goodbyes, and also of spontaneous combustion. Uh, this is a first, I think. Like, I've not heard of this mm. uh, plot device nope. <laughs> before. Uh, Mara's narrative voice is hilarious and blunt as she's talking about sort of the end of the world as they know it. She's also just trying to make it to graduation to navigate romance as a teenager does. Um, spontaneous got a starred review in Kirkus, which called it a blood-soaked, laugh-filled tear-drenched, endlessly compelling read. Uh, yeah, it's like no book out there. Uh, I think if you want to laugh, cry, and cringe all at once, you're probably set with this. Again, it's called Spontaneous by Aaron Starmer, and we'll have a link in the show notes, or you can find it wherever books are sold. 
Holy cats. <laughs> I know. I can think well, of, you know, a lot of people I would have liked to explode when we were in high school, but oh, like none that actually everyone. did. Like what? Like basically everyone. Yeah. Me, mostly. No. What if we spontaneously explode at Book Riot Live? Well, like, it would be good publicity <laughs> for the show, which would then end. <laughs> knowing us that's what would happen we would explode and then we wouldn't be around to like enjoy our combustion that's what fame is you know it's true people make all their money after they're gone it's the best thing that you can do for your career <laughs> let's roll on what's your next pick okay so i haven't really read this next book but i'm about half a third of the way into it and i'm loving it and so i just had to mention it because um, so you know that I have a couple of books in my house and a few. you've seen the photos. Like surprisingly, I'm pretty good at keeping track of them, like where they are and what's going on. But this morning, uh, my friend posted about this book called Unknown Caller by Deborah Spark on Litzy. And she's like, oh my God, this book is so good. Um, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, I have that book. And then I was like, why? And I looked it up and it came out today and I was like, wait, why haven't I read this and where and so it was down behind my bookcase. Um, so I was like, ah, I have to read this right now. So I started reading it before we started recording the show. And I'm a third of the way into it, and I'm completely hooked. It's so compelling. And my friend Megan, who was the one who mentioned it, she said, you know, from the jacket and the title, you know, Unknown Caller, you would think this is a thriller, but it's not. It's actually like this really intense, fantastic book about relationships and family and, and invented history. Um, it's about a couple named Daniela and Joel. They live in Portland, Maine, which is right near me. Woohoo! And they have a son, Ben, who's six. And every once in a while, they receive these phone calls in the middle of the night. And they're always from a woman named Liesel. Liesel was Joel's first wife 19 years ago. They were married for five months, and then she took off. And somehow, no matter how many times they change their number... She manages to call them. You know, he gets on the phone with her and he, you know, she screams at him and tells him he's the worst and whatever. And, you know, this is what, you know, Daniela is hearing when these calls go on. And about five years after after they broke up, uh, Liesl told Joel that she, he had a daughter. Like, he, she was pregnant when she left. And he, she won't let him see her or, you know, talk to her or has never, he's never met her. He doesn't know anything about her. And it's just this, this random thing that happens every once in a while is Liesl gets crazy and... And calls her. And so this one night, she calls in the middle of the night, and she tells Joel that she is sending their daughter, who is now 17, to live with them for the summer. Like, she can't handle her anymore, and it's going to be uh, Joel's problem from now on. Their daughter's name is um, Idzea, I think is how you pronounce it. And so all of a sudden, they're like, oh, getting a, a new child in the house, you know, for the summer. Um, except when Joel goes to pick her up from Logan Airport she's not there and so now it's like you know where is she did and the, the phone call stop so it's like where is she where did she ever exist um he thinks she did he saw a photo right before she arrived and it's kind of like this look also at like Liesl's life and what she's been doing and um Adzia's life um, because she does in fact exist and like how this like non-arrival sort of affects Daniela and Joel's relationship it's the writing is like a plus 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 plus. I'm so I was like I have to put this down and record the podcast, but I really don't want to. No, uh, sorry. It's, it's so good. 
Um, and so I, I can't imagine, you know, unless it goes off the rails, I, it, it's fantastic. And I think I'm going to be talking about it again later. Again, it's called Unknown Caller by Deborah Spark. Awesome. Uh, speaking of fantastic, my next pick is My Life on the Road by Gloria Steinem. It's out in paperback this week, and I've been listening to it on audio for the last couple of weeks. It's been such a pleasure. Um, the book is about Steinem's career, but really about the role that travel played in her career and in shaping who she is as a person, as a feminist, um, how just integral integral <laughs> how integral a role travel played in who she is she would not be the same person or have done the same work without it uh, and so i love that uh, but she writes about you know how she became gloria steinem how she became involved in the women's movement um, there's really good addressing of intersectionality of how closely the women's movement and the civil rights movement were linked especially in the 60s and 70s of campaigns that she's worked on uh, but through it all is this theme of being on the road um, she has spent more time traveling than not traveling for the last 40 years she's been to a zillion places um, and and she writes about you know, specific experiences that she had while traveling that either changed the way that she thought about something that she was working on or that shaped her ideas or really just exposed her to, you know, more people with broader diversity of experiences than she could ever get uh, just staying in one place, working, you know, out of her home office. Um, and so she connects that also to just the value that is to be found in organizing uh, and in conducting activism with, you know, face-to-face -face in real life events of what can occur when we're in a room together talking about our experiences and shared goals that even with the magic of the internet we can't quite achieve otherwise um, it's so inspiring it's very interesting i i always love sort of getting a look at how someone who who you know looms large in public consciousness became the way that they are uh, and the way that she discusses the role that being on the road and that travel has played in her life and how just it's connected so deeply to who she is and to how she works. Uh, I'm almost done listening to it. My only complaint, I think this is a great audiobook if you're an audiobook uh, fan. My only complaint is that Gloria Steinem herself reads, I think, the introduction and the prologue, and then it switches over to a professional audiobook narrator who's wonderful. It's a great audiobook, but getting that like taste of Gloria made me want to have actual Gloria Steinem's voice for the remainder of the book. Um, if you've, you know, it's, I think it was kind of big in hardcover. If you've been holding out, it's out in paperback now. Um, I think that Gloria Steinem, you know, doesn't get a bad rap sometimes, but younger feminists uh, can see her as a member of the old guard. And while that's true, young feminism doesn't exist without the work that Gloria Steinem and her cohort did. Uh, as a younger feminist, I found it really interesting to learn about her life and to get to know her as a person and not just uh, the theories and the work that she does. So again, it's My Life on the Road by Gloria Steinem. It's out in paperback this week. I could have read just an entire book of her talking about traveling with her father yeah. when she was a little kid. Like, how? Like, does anybody do that anymore? Can you do that anymore? Can you take your child and drag them around the country like that? Yeah, I don't think so. Is, and also it led me to uh, Florence Williams, who is mm -hmm. amazing, and I read her biography, and that was fantastic. Yeah, I really I enjoyed it. I would have read a whole book of Gloria Steinem stories about taxi drivers, like things that taxi drivers talk to her about. You know, that was so great, too. <laughs> that should be a reality show. Oh, Gloria on the road. Yeah. That would Make be it great. happen. 
<laughs> so my next pick is something completely different. All right. And it recently came out. I did not get to it in time. Um, I read it over the weekend. Woo, boy, it was fun. It's called Security by Gina Wolsdorf. And it's basically a horror film in novel form. This is perfect for you. Oh, I loved it so much. But, like, it's, you know, amazing writing, and she does it, like, really, really, really well. It's about this hotel called Mandalay Resort, right there. Ominous Mandalay. Um, it's a 20-story hotel in California that is about to open. It is the fanciest of fancy. It has everything that you could want. The guy who is building it, the idea is that people who are um, hiding from the press or, like, having, like, uh, people in government having affairs, like, this is the hotel that they would go to because the security is so tight. Like, it's basically impenetrable. Like, you can't get in um, when it's locked down. And what, what the people who work there don't know is that someone is watching them. They are getting ready to open, um, getting ready for a banquet. And suddenly, a man in a mask, like Mike Myers from Halloween, mm. uh, starts picking people off. No, in, in no. horrible ways. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's like it's so intense. It's like you know they're riding down the elevator, not realizing like when the door opens, he's gonna be like stuff like that. <gasps> like nope. in, yeah, it's it's a hor- It's a, actually like I said, it's a horror film. And I so, stay like, in too many hotels to read this book. <laughs> Yeah, so, like, people are, like, running around, you know, you've got 20 floors. Does it count as 20 floors if there's no 13th floor? I was wondering this. No. Because, you know, bad luck, not that it helps them here. Um, yeah, no. Yeah, it's like a combination of Severance Package by Dwayne Swierzynski and uh, The Summer Has Ended and We Are Not Yet Saved by Joey Como. I don't know if you read that, but that's like a flat-out, like, it was originally titled Bible Camp Bloodbath. It was, like, <laughs> flat-out a horror book, um, and he added some more to the story. It's so good. Um, I love this stuff. There's something wrong with me, I know. Um, anyway, it's tons of fun. And there's, like, split-screen uh, happenings. Like, there's two columns where it's, like, while this person is, you know, going about her business and folding the towels, like, on this side, here's what the killer is doing as he's headed, like, towards her, you know? That's cool. And it's really cool. It's really well done. It's really fun. Um, so if you're a little demented like me and enjoy that kind of stuff. It's great. It's called Security by Gina Wolsdorf. You know, I am a brave lady, but there is no way I'm reading that book. I know. <laughs> I know. I was like reading it in my house and I was like, <laughs> yeah, nope. You know, like when you can psych yourself out, like yeah. I'm like staring at the closet door. I was like, what if that just opened right now? Like what if like really like that door just opened right now? Like what would I do? I would probably drop dead of a heart attack right now. You know, and like you excite. I like that kind of stuff. So it's fun. It, it's, I really great. enjoyed it. Who's our next sponsor? Our next sponsor is The Beauty of Darkness, The Remnant Chronicles, Book Three by Mary E. Pearson. It is the third book in the series. Uh, it was the first book is Kiss of Deception. And I'll tell you a little bit about it. Of course, if you haven't read the first two, like plug your ears. Um, Leah and Rafe have escaped Venda, and the path before them is winding and dangerous. What will happen now? This third and final book in The Remnant Chronicles is not to be missed. New York Times bestselling author Mary E. Pearson's combination of intrigue, suspense, romance, and action makes this a riveting page-turner that you won't be able to put down. And it's out, uh, I think Fierce Reads is, it's, yeah. does it. And 
I don't know. I I think I have the first one. I haven't gotten to it yet, but I should it, I should do that. It has a very fierce heroine on the cover. Yeah. A sword, like a sword-wielding young woman. Yeah. She looks a lot like the lady on um, Game of Thrones whose name I'm forgetting now. Lena? Was that her no. name? Oh, no. Maybe. I haven't watched Game of Thrones. That's okay. <laughs> I, I watched, like, the first couple episodes, so. Um, but... Yeah, yeah, and here at the end of summer, if you're looking to end the series because you read Kiss of Deception, you can do that. And if you're looking for a new series, you can binge through quite quickly. Pick up Kiss of Deception, read through the series, and then you can wrap up with The Beauty of Darkness. Yeah. it's not, When I was reading the description of the first one, it, it reminded me a little bit of Queen of the Tearling. Seems like ah, it might be yeah. like a thing for those kind of fans. So we thank them for sponsoring the show. Yes. All right, I have another paperback pick. Are you ready? I'm ready. It's Neurotribes by Steve Silberman. Uh, this is a huge book, so you want to read it in paperback because it will be easier to hold. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a pretty exhaustive history of our understanding, sort of cultural, social, and scientific history of autism and Asperger's and uh research into those things and the broader concept of neurodiversity. Um, and if you are not familiar or you've just heard the term, but you don't really know what it is, neurodiversity is the recognition kind of slash movement um, towards getting away from the idea that anyone who is not neurotypical, whose brain isn't quote unquote normal, is automatically perceived and treated as disabled in some way. The assumption that anyone on the autism spectrum, for instance, must be disabled or their life must not be as good as people who are quote unquote normal or neurotypical is the now preferred term for that. Um, Silberman, this is, I mean, this is like, if you liked The Emperor of All Maladies about cancer, then you want to read this book. It's the same, it's that book for autism, Asperger's neurodiversity. Um, he dives into the very earliest evidence that we have of science and research that recognized um, people and children who had autistic symptoms, um, how Asperger's was eventually uh, recognized and diagnosed as well. A bunch of those researchers were also were coming up in Europe during uh, World War II. Many of them were Jewish, and there were very big political forces that shaped not only the work they did, but how they presented the work they did, which elements of it they made public and which elements they didn't. And those forces are still having impact today. So it's really interesting to to learn about the broad and the more narrow academic politics that affect science and what we think we know of um, autism and neurodiversity. There's, you know, just tons of fascinating information about how the first researchers recognize the clusters of symptoms um, and recognize that there were these people who um, were often very brilliant um, in you know one specific thing or became very passionate about one area of knowledge and got better at that area of knowledge than anyone else, but simultaneously had social difficulties um, and eventually figuring out what to do for those people, what to do for children. It was widely believed for a long time that autism was a children's disorder, um, that there were no adults with autism. And it's really that the children who had autism were like locked away. Their parents were told, you know, they'll never never have a normal life. They were locked away in institutions. And during World War II, there were uh, public and secret programs that euthanized children with autism. Um, 
which is just horrifying. And Silberman goes into that uh, in interesting and just terrifying detail as well. Um, and then runs us all the way up through the present of sort of where we are now with the understanding of neurodiversity. Um, it's really like this is something that I read a little bit about off and on, but it's really shocking to realize how much talent has probably been lost to the world um, because of the the assumptions that society has made that people who are neuroatypical are disabled and that we've treated them that way and limited their access uh, to you know social interaction to schools to regular jobs uh, and that there is immense talent and immense work that could be done uh, that the world would benefit from. And so Silberman also is writing about uh, why it's exciting right now um, to see the opening up of that conversation and to see how culture uh, in a broader sense is starting to understand and appreciate people uh, who are on the autism spectrum or who have Asperger's uh, or somewhere in there and what that spectrum actually means and can look like. It's fascinating. Uh, if you're into, you know, neuroscience, contemporary science, sort of this global history of a medical phenomenon, it's really, really terrific. Um, it'll change the way that you look at the sort of cultural structures around you, the ways that like uh, Jeff and I talked on the Book Riot podcast a few weeks ago about public libraries that are starting to have um, not quiet hours so that people uh, who are on the autism spectrum who either make sounds as a way to comfort themselves or who are uncomfortable in a silent environment can take advantage of those public services like libraries that should be available to everyone. And that's one example of the kind of thing that Silberman is getting at really trying to open up the world. Um, it is just terrific. It's a big book. Um, I started reading it like a month and a half ago and would read a chapter every day or two just to really try to process it. I recommend that method. Uh, this is not a binge read kind of book unless you're a, a super whiz kid at science and history, which maybe you are. Uh, but again, it's called Neurotribes by Steve Silberman and it's out in paperback this week. You're amazing. <laughs> I'm like, here's a book about slashers. <laughs> you're like, here's a book about science. <laughs> I love brains. <laughs> There's we a lot of them in insecurity, just, you know, all over <laughs> <Splattered>. everything. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about what I want to acquire. Oh, I like this. The Liberty Shopping List. Yeah, because I buy a lot of books. I know it sounds crazy because I go to the library and I get galleys. I buy a ton of books. I rented, Like half of them are books that I read galleys of. I buy the finished copies. But there are still things that I want that I haven't read. Um, so I have a little list. That I'll be taking with me this week. Um, the first one, I don't know the first thing about it, just that a guy on Twitter said, you should read this book. It's called The Ultra-Fabulous Glitter Squadron Saves the World by A.C. Wise. Like, I'm really sad that someone else got to call something The Ultra-Fabulous <laughs> Glitter Squadron. Yeah, right? Like With a title like that, have to have it. Where um, are we? I know. I'm going to get I Hate Fairyland by Scotty Young, which is a comic now in trade form. Um, which I read is like Alice in Wonderland meets Deadpool meets Tank Girl. And the oh. cover is like this little uh, pigtailed cartoony girl holding a bloody double axe. Looks awesome. Um, one of our contributors loves it. Jamie. Jamie loves it. I'm going to pick up By Night Under the Stone Bridge, which I was reading something about Einstein's Dreams, which is like the most perfect book ever by Alan Lightman. Um, and it led me to uh, Austrian literature and like oh. this book of Aust this Austrian author that everyone should read, 
Leo Peretz, and he wrote this book by Night Under the Stone Bridge that people say is fantastic. So I'm going to do that. I want to pick up Harmony, which you talked about yeah, recently, Carolyn the Carolyn Parkhurst. Parkhurst. I want to pick up the Ed Young. I contain multitudes. Science. You're going to read about science. I want science. to be more like you. Um, I can't find my copy of Fifth Season by N.K. Jemison, which just won the Hugo. Yay for her. Good job. Yeah. So I need a copy of that again. It's probably, it's not behind that bookcase, but it's probably behind something else. I don't know where I put it. <laughs> Just don't let it fall on your head. Yeah. And I want to pick up um, Blood in the Water, which is about the Attica uprising, like, 45 years later. And how, like, these, Heather Thompson writes about it. Um, all these documents were unsealed. Like, nobody really knew. I didn't even know what Attica was when I was a little kid. I just knew that it was, like, that thing that um, Al Pacino yells in Dog Day mm. Afternoon when he's trying to get the crowd all riled up, you know, Attica. And so I've always been fascinated by it. Um, and this is like a really comprehensive history of it, like this really horrible, fascinating event. So those are the things I'm interested in. That sounds good. I think so. It'll keep me busy for a little while. My last round is a twofer. Uh, the first is another paperback release, uh, Negro Land by Margot Jefferson. It came out on September 8th last year. So uh, I'll just be brief here. But if you want to hear more about it, you can go back to that show and listen to that segment. Um, Jefferson grew up in a very privileged black community in Chicago, and she is a cultural critic. Uh, this is a book about race and identity and respectability politics, very largely. Um, it had... At the time, it was the best exploration of intersectionality and feminism and race that I had ever read. And I think it's right there along with um, Michael Denzel Smith's Invisible Man Got the Whole World Watching, which I talked about a few weeks ago, um, for discussing how different experiences and forms of oppression interact with each other. Um, it's really, really terrific. If you're on the you know reading about race sort of pseudo syllabus and you haven't read Negroland, it's out in paperback this week and it's definitely worth a look. Uh, and then the book that I'm almost finished with that I spent all of yesterday devouring is Dumplin' by Julie Murphy, uh, which came out either earlier this year or last year. I don't remember when it came out. I just September remember that, 15th. Like, woo. Okay. Sorry, I, I talked about like, that show. That's how I know. Ah, I just totally missed the boat on it. Like, you read it. Everyone no, you I follow it. on Twitter read it. Our contributors read it and loved it. Um, there was just so much raving about it, and I just didn't get to it. Um, and I don't read much YA, so I'm really happy to be reading it now. It's about Willow Dean Dixon. Uh, she is a fat girl living in a small town in Texas, and her mom, uh, who who's like one claim to fame was that she won the small town's beauty pageant when she was a high schooler, is now the head of the pageant. Uh, Willow Dean is getting her first boyfriend, uh, is maybe going to start a revolution of the outcasts in her high school by signing up for the pageant. It's so good. It is, it's, I don't want to say much about it because like, I went into it sort of magically not knowing much about it for how much people had talked about it. Um, it's so good. Willow Dean's voice is a pleasure to spend time with. It's very... Uh, it's a very feminist young adult novel without being like, hello, I am a feminist young adult novel. Like she just carries in her perspective the the ideas that we are hoping that young women will have today. Like, why should I have to care what I look like in a bathing suit when it's a million degrees outside and I just want to go get in a swimming pool? Um why should I have to worry about, you know, people looking at me funny? Or why should I have to tolerate being treated badly just because I'm fat? Uh, it's really just, it's a great book. It's the kind of YA that I wish had existed or that I had read uh, when I was a teenager, when everybody feels like an outsider, but there are, you know, some kinds of outsiderness that are really um, 
that are really, you know, sort of outstanding or in their both commonality and also how difficult they can be for kids. Um, and certainly being a fat girl uh, in a small town that values beauty is one of those. It's so great. I'm almost done with it. Like when we're finished with this call, I'm going to go just finish the rest. Uh, and it's called Dumplin'. It's by Julie Murphy. I hope and there's that's... another one. Oh, wait, is there like a cliffhanger? Oh, I don't know. I just hope that she d- I mean, I do know, but like, I hope, you know, we get another one soon, I guess is what I'm saying. Ah, yes. I would like to read a million books about this girl. It's great. Yeah, it's awesome. TV show, so, movie. Oh, movie. yeah, yes. <gasps> Speaking what? of TV shows, can I just say how excited I am that Jamie Attenberg announced that the yes. middle scenes are going to be on Showtime? Congratulations, Jamie. Yes, I love that book. Uh, and she's got the St. Maisie TV show going on. She's got it's just like it's TV all over the place. We should pop some confetti cannons for her. Yes. All right. So those are new books and paperbacks and what you're going to buy and what I'm reading lately, because apparently this is the show we're doing now. But <laughs> <laughs> so um, we're talking about books, and that's what's important. Right. The In the intro, you say recommendations and enthusiasm, and we're full up on both of those. Yeah. So I think we're fine. What are you going to go read now? I'm going to read... Well, I just uh, set it down to start um, the unnamed caller. It's Gooseberry Bluff Community College of Magic by David Schwartz. I think Derek yes, recommended yeah. this, mm-hmm. and I bought it when he when he did, and then set it down a shelf. And the other day, somebody was talking about like magic academies and stuff like that, and I went, "Oh, I have that book." Um, it sounds like fun. I mean, I think I could read books just like this all day, every day. You know, just like weird library mm-hmm. magic school <laughs> things. Like I could do that all the time, and there are a lot of them. There are a lot of them. Um, I really love the Libriomancer series by Jim Hines. I think mm-hmm. um, that reminds me of this. Like I could just read stuff like that all the time. So you're gonna finish Dumplin', and then what are you gonna read? I'm gonna read On Trails by Robert Moore. Um, this is the first time that a BuzzFeed essay has sold me a book, but like it worked. Um, it's, he hiked the Appalachian Trail and it likes a thing about like, I hiked the Appalachian Trail and it changed my life. Um, came up in my Twitter feed last week and I was like, I will click that so fast. Uh, and so the essay was about what hiking, you know, did to his life and more broadly what being out on a trail and in nature means to him. And I'm on a hiking nature travel thing right now. Um, my browser history is like filled with Grand Teton National Park stuff. Thank you, Terry um, Williams. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, if you've been to the Grand Teton National Park and you have tips for me, I'm going to go next fall, so please tell me about like the best things that you saw there. Um, Don't so go I'm, off the path. I am looking forward to like settling down with a nature memoir. Um, awesome. really looking forward to it. All right. We made it another week. Yes. It will be fall soon. But in the meantime, we want to thank our sponsors, Third Love. Go to thirdlove.com slash books to start your free 30-day trial with the 24-7 t-shirt bra. Thank you to Spontaneous by Erin Starmer, a book about growing up and blowing up. I love that <laughs> so much. Ooh. So much. And to, I have to add that to my list. Hold on. 
know. <laughs> and to the beauty of darkness by Mary E. Pearson. It's the third and final book in the Remnant Chronicles. If you haven't read the series, you can start with Kiss of Deception. Uh, we'll have a link to all of these in the show notes as well. And don't forget, go to bookriotlive.com and use the offer code MoreCats, M-O-R-E-C-A-T-S, to get $20 off your Book Riot Live registration. Hang out with us on November 12th and 13th and get those VIP perks with your registration, which are going away on August 31st. So time is a ticket. Uh, as always, you can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com or talk to us on Twitter. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y, and Liberty is Miss Liberty. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find the link to our weekly new books newsletter. Whew. Yay. All right. Happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading.